Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. How should we pray? Well, first of all, we should approach God in great humility, and we should ask God to do whatever it takes so that our lives would reflect the fact that He is sovereign, meaning this, that every decision we make, every action we take, every word that we speak, everything would demonstrate that we believe that God is sovereign, that He is the Lord of our life, and that we are desperately in need of Him to lead us, guide us, provide for us. That is how we should pray. God, do whatever it takes so that my life reflects that I believe in you and that you are the Lord of my life and everyone that looks at me can see that. That is wisdom. If you pray that sincerely, God will indeed bring about a transformation in your life. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 107. The book of Psalms and Psalm 107. Now, we began this psalm last week. We completed the first 22 verses, and now we're ready for the second half, beginning in verse 23. And what we see here is that God is able to bring change quite easily. We know how God operates. God simply speaks, and it is, going back to his sovereignty. We see many examples in this psalm of God's authority that comes through the word of God. And therefore, if we're wise, we are going to submit totally to the word of God. That should be our ambition. That should be our desire. And that should be at the foundation of our prayer life. God, help me submit to your word. When we do that, God is actively going to be involved in leading us, guiding us, providing for us, giving us wisdom, insight, knowledge, and whatever we need that we indeed can complete his purposes. Now, when we open up this second part of Psalm 107, we're going to deal for a few verses with the sea. And we need to understand the biblical context. We know, for example, in the New Jerusalem, there's not going to be any more seas. What does that mean? Well, seas, as in oceans and such, they biblically represent fear, very similar to the concept of darkness. And in order to carry out business, to do various things, people at times would have to travel over seas and such. And that was a fearful proposition. And therefore, people would pray and they would look to God. God, get me through this journey safely. 
take me out but bring me back and we'll see how this psalmist speaks of god who is greater than the seas and the oceans look at verse 23 literally it speaks about those who go down to the sea now what's important is this when we are upon dry land and many people at that time would live in in mountainous places and what would happen they would have to go down to the sea and therefore this is what we see in verse 23 those who go down to the seas and enter into and the implication is go into boats and this would be a word for ships not something small not fishing boats that we would see on the sea of galilee but we're talking about larger boats or ships so those who do just that and what is their motivation they're not taking a cruise they're not there to enjoy the ocean no they're there to do one thing and what is that that is to do work and they do so notice what it says in many waters so they are accustomed to traveling going here going there and they realize their need for god for protection as again as i say again god will lead me out but god bring me back safely this is their objective and this is their prayers look now to verse 24 they look at the works of the lord and his wonders in and the next word the deep now this word for deep means deep waters and here again the mindset we have to understand the mindset of that culture and that was traveling over deep waters so again seas and oceans and such were very fearful to them and god is the one who made the heavens and the earth all that is in them the seas the oceans and it's part of god's power his sovereignty that he created this world in the way that he did so all of these are the works of the lord and therefore here's the mindset god if you created these things therefore you are able to see me through these things bring me through in order that i might accomplish these objectives this work this labor and i can see your glory your power and your faithfulness in the midst of the waters look now to verse 25 and he said now this is speaking about god who is able to do all things and what do we read here look carefully at verse 25 and he said and the implication is god is speaking to and we have a word ruach which means in this contest context wind and then we have the next word sarah which is a tempest or a storm so we're talking about the water being driven by a great wind something related to like a hurricane today a tornado out at sea and notice what the scripture says the lord speaks he speaks to the wind of this storm and what happens it stops literally it stands and the implication is it stands still god is able to quiet the storm 
This is the implication of this passage. And this same storm, this this Sarah or the wind of the storm, what does it do? It raises up the waves. But here again, God is able to make all things stand still. He is over his creation. And here's something that the, the author of this psalm is trying to communicate to us. If creation, like the wind and the waves, if they listen to God's voice, how much more so should you and me? We understand that God is sovereign. He knows all things. He's omniscient. God loves his creation, meaning he loves you and me. And if we're wise, we have entered into a covenant with him. Therefore, we need not fear. But if the wind and the waves obey him, should we not also do the same thing? Verse 26. And they go up into the heavens, meaning these individuals, they travel, they go about. And when it says heavens here, it simply means they're going upward. And then it says... And they also go down to the deeps, meaning the deep places in this world. And their souls, and what it's speaking about here is their inner being, their souls with with evil, and that's literally the word ra'ah, evil, are melting away. So no matter where one is, if evil comes, what happens? Evil has obviously an adverse effect upon us so in this verse it's speaking about the fact that you can go up or you can go down but if evil comes evil is going to have a destructive influence in a person's life and who delivers us from evil the implication is only god can do that now notice verse 27 it's talking about another problem that people can face here we have a word which means to go around and it's a word can be used for someone like a pilgrim making a journey going on some travels but here the root word has to do with going around and the implication is to and fro traveling a great deal and then the next word has to do with being shaken believe a lot of uh, English translations use that word to stagger so they're traveling to and fro they're staggering about like a drunk individual most will say drunk man and what happens and all their wisdom is swallowed up and the implication is it runs out now this same word can be used for something wearing out in and of itself Now, in these last few verses, what it's saying is this. It's setting the stage for no matter where you go, you go up, you go down. If evil's there, you are going to have problems. It is going to cause you to melt away, meaning this. You are going to be overcome, overwhelmed, and defeated by evil left to yourself. See, one of the primary objectives of this psalm is to teach us our need to depend upon God. Remember how we began, how to praise wisely? Well, we praise God in a wise manner when we approach God in prayer 
and we say to him, God, I want you to teach me, do whatever you need to do so that my life, all of my life, every aspect of my life shows to others that I believe and I respond to you because you are Lord over all and you can do all things. This is how we need to approach God in our prayer life. And when we do so, this is truly giving God praise when we acknowledge him for who he is and our life reflects that truth that he is indeed Lord over all. Look now to the last part of this verse where it says, and all their wisdom is is exhausted or comes to an end or wears away. What's it saying? You simply cannot rely upon yourself. If you trust in your own wisdom, your own understanding, your own knowledge, what's going to happen? You are going to wear out. You're going to come to the end and you will not be an overcomer, but you will be defeated. Then look at what the scripture says in verse 28. They cry out to the Lord. So these individuals that are are having problems, eventually, what's the wise thing to do? Now, obviously, you should do it at the beginning. But many times, people, it's that old expression, when all else fails, try God. When everything else doesn't work, try prayer. Well, that's not the proper thing. We should put prayer first. But the image of this psalm is just that. When they're having problems, when they're failing, when they're exhausted, when they're worn out, when evil is causing them to melt, what happens? Well, eventually, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. Now, this word trouble is the same word for tribulation. So it's speaking about a difficult period of one's life being afflicted being tormented having problems great problems in your life or simply as i said tribulation and then it says and from from their distress now this is a word it's in the plural by the way so many aspects many manifestations that bring about distress in a person's life what does god do well, look at the end of verse 28. It says, M, meaning he will bring them out of. That's the good news. God does just that. He brings them out of these things. But here again, only if we're in a covenantal relationship with him, only if we're trusting in him, only if we are people that, that demonstrate our faith, then god because we are walking in obedience in humility in submissiveness because we are demonstrating by example let me say it another way because we are bearing witness to the fact that we believe in god then god is going to because we're testifying by our actions by our words that we believe in him that we are dependent upon him those people god delivers as a testimony to those individuals who are watching us so once again they cry out to the lord because of their trouble and from their distresses he will bring them out literally he brings them out now why is that important because i've shared with you before 
when a verb in the Hebrew language is in the present tense, it is important. It's emphasized. And even though a few times I translated that he will do that, and it's for us, yes, we need to remember, God will do that. But literally, when we look here at the end of verse 28, it's in the present. God will, or God brings them out from their distresses. Verse 29. We're dealing again with a tempest, a great storm, a powerful storm that has wind. And what it says is this, when a storm is is about, God is able to establish that storm and make it still. We learn that. Another way that this psalmist expresses it in a different way. And their wave, so you have this storm, it's going to be made silent, and the waves are also going to be still verse 30 they will rejoice and this is a word for being glad so literally they will be glad because he has quieted quieted them meaning because god has has done that made them quiet and here's the implication when you are going through difficult times what happens you're full of anxiety and stress and all your concern but because god brings those things to to nothing he causes them to be still what happens you have great joy and then he says and he will lead them to the district now this is simply a word machos meaning a location he will lead them to the district of their desire and this word hafetz speaks about something that is desirable so here's what the scripture is teaching us we need to trust god we need to be dependent upon god we need to acknowledge his sovereignty over all things when we do god will respond to us And he will bring these difficult things, these times of troubles and hardships, attacks of the enemy, whatever it might be. He is going to bring them to be still. And then after that, he is going to do what? Notice what it says. He is going to lead them to the place of, and this word chafetz can also mean simply an item, a possession, something to have. God is going to lead them where they can receive from him. And God gives, as we know, good things. Verse 31. Now, because of this change that has happened to the person, what is he going to do? Verse 31. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? He is gracious. And it's that word, chasto, meaning his grace. In this context, context, it's speaking about God being gracious, God being kind, God doing not what we deserve, but, but doing something because of who he is and what he has promised his people. So look again. Give thanks to the Lord. He is gracious, and his wonders are to humanity. Here we have the phrase, Livne Adam to the sons of a man but it's simply an idiom in hebrew for humanity 
so once again what god is saying is this when we are recipients of his grace god is going to work wonders in our life and through these wonderful things we take possession of them god does these things in order that we can receive from him god's grace brings about marvelous things in our life that is the context of verse verse 32 verse 31 now look at verse 32 in the congregation of people they will exalt him now the more that people seek god let me say it a different way the more that people trust god we are going to see that there is an abundant reason to exalt him so demonstrate the worthiness of god praising him thanking him once more verse 32 they will exalt him in the congregation of people and in the moshav this is the the place of sitting it's also a word of location in the the dwelling place of the elders they will praise him so we see something that's so important praise adoration giving thanks exalting god when we trust him when we bear witness to others of our faith that we believe that he is the lord of lords the the king of kings that he is creator of all things and he's the lord of our life when we do that we're going to see god moving and what god does is going to bring about praise and thanksgiving among his people another way that that we testify to others about him verse 33 and he sets the rivers now again what we're seeing here is a god who brings about change and he can bring about and hear this he can bring about extreme change in your life and in your situations and here's a great example of it he sets rivers into desert so god can make rivers into a desert and the places that bring forth water we're talking about springs of water into a dry place now this word for a dry place is a word that speaks of great thirst so it's a place where there's no uh, uh, liquid there's no water and people are thirsty the land is arid the land is dry then he says verse 34 a land that is fruitful it's going to become and it uses a word for for most bibles will say barren but it's literally a word for salty now we know that the salt sea yam hamelach some will call it the dead sea is is in israel and what do we know about that well around that area it's not the most fruitful place it can be a very barren place because that that salt and the salt is in this sense in land in soil it is very destructive so a fruitful land god can make salty can make barren from from the evil of those who dwell in it what's the context those who dwell in the land and they behave in a rebellious way they do not the word of god but they behave evilly 
What's going to happen? That is going to have an adverse uh, effect upon the land, the fruitfulness of the land. God, in other words, is not going to bless when there's evil in his land. Now, look at verse 35. He sets the desert. Now, what we're talking about now is the exact opposite. It was, if you go back up, the rivers he can make into a desert. Now, it says here, the desert he can make into, literally, the phrase is agamim, which simply is a lake of water. And then he says, and the land that is arid, uses that word for exceedingly dry. So the dry land, the land that is arid, he is able to make into springs of water. That which brings forth water like a a spring or such god is able to bring change here again all that we're seeing here is god's desire that we understand with him all things are possible god can bring about change just like that all he has to do is speak it into being and he loves us if you are in that new covenant relationship you are going to be a recipient of his love and that love is going to work in your situations your life whatever you find yourself going through god's love is able to penetrate the attacks of the enemy the the difficult times that you have god love is god's love is able to get through that so that you experience that and his blessings so look again he sets that land that is arid into We could say springs of water. Verse 36. And the ones who are hungry in it. So those who are hungry. Now I would suggest to you that this word for hungry relates to those that are hungry for righteousness. Hungry for the things of God. Hungry for those that reflect. Those things that reflect the character of God, the will of God, the purposes of God. So look again at our verse, verse 36. And the one who dwells, or the one who dwells in it, dwells there, that are hungry. What's going to happen? They are going to establish a city for a dwelling place. So the ones who dwell in these places that are difficult, that are not fruitful, what's going to happen? They are going to cry out to God. They should be hungry for His presence, His character, His provision. And it says here that that they are going to establish that city as a dwelling place. What city? Most scholars believe we're talking about the city of God, a reference to the kingdom. Verse 37. Now, God brings us into a place, but we're called to work. So, God brings us into that that kingdom, that kingdom experience. Right now, by faith, we belong to the kingdom, but it's time to get to work. Notice what it says. They sow fields, they plant vineyards, and they do, meaning they make the fruit uh, be plentiful. Now, this word... Tivua is a word for yield. So you plant and you want a good yield. You want a good harvest. And what this verse is promising us is when we sow, 
when we plant, there is going to be a yield to those efforts. There's going to be a response. God's going to move. How's he going to move? Look now to verse 38. He will bless them and he will multiply them, meaning exceedingly or greatly. That's what God loves to do. And then we have a word. It's the word behemah, which is for, for livestock. It's simply a word for animals, but usually domesticated animals like sheep and goats and, and cows and such. And it says here, and their, their cattle will not be diminished. Now, what is this speaking of? Well, many times, behemoth, that's a word for animals, domesticated animals, like I mentioned. They are also a sign of wealth. And what the scripture is saying is this. When we trust God, when we serve God, God will make us fruitful. There is going to be abundance, abundance, and there is going to be a a testifying by God of his goodness among his people. So that's why it says, look again at verse 38. He will bless them and multiply them exceedingly, and their cattle will not diminish but look at verse 39 but they will become small or few they will diminish they will will bow down meaning they will be brought low from and we have here a word from the oppression of evil and this next word is just being tired worn out being uh, overly afflicted where you have no power And it's simply saying here, those who don't trust in him, those who are not recipients of God's activity in their life, they are going to experience evil, they are going to be oppressed, and they are not going to have the the outcome that, that we truly want and what God truly wants to give to us. Verse 40, for those who are like that, what are they going to receive? those who are doubting God, those who do not trust in God, those who do not believe and act as though he's the Lord of Lords. Well, it says here, Shofech Buz, he will pour out contempt upon the, the honorable ones. This means those that the world sees as honorable. And he will lead them astray into, and this next word, tohu. Now, we remember in the scripture, and I'm going back to Genesis chapter 1, where it speaks about how God created the heavens and the earth, and we usually say they were empty and void and and such. Well, in Hebrew, we have the expression tohu vevohu. Here in this case, it's simply the word tohu. He will lead them astray into confusion and to something that is not a way meaning they're not going to to have it easy to travel upon they're not going to be on a way a road a a place that is conducive for traveling that's what happens when you doubt god that's what happens when you don't produce fruit that's when you don't rely upon god you're not going to be a recipient of his goodness quite the contrary but look at verse 41 but the evyon evyon means someone who is destitute someone who is exceedingly poor and it says here 
that the Evion, the destitute one, he will lift up from affliction. Now, that word affliction can also be translated poverty. What does he mean here? God's going to provide. He is going to give us clothes. He will give us food. He is going to give us, as we should pray, our daily bread. Look again, verse 41. The destitute one, he will lift up from affliction, and he will set or place as a flock families. So this here, what it's talking about is the fact that you and your faithfulness, you and your trusting of God, you being dependent upon God and your life reflecting that, and you bearing witness to that in word and in deed, it can impact families. That's what the word of God is saying, that you can have an influence on many more people than you think. And he uses the word flock. Why? Well, a flock has a shepherd. Bring them through your obedience, through your testimony. Bring them into the flock of God. Look now to verse 42. Yesharim. Yesharim means straight. This word usually translated the upright, and it's plural, the upright ones. It's not the word. Many Bibles will say righteous ones. Well, it's literally those that are upright or those that are walking straight, meaning straight with God. They're not turning to the right or to the left. And it says concerning these straight ones, upright ones, they will see. They're going to be the ones to see God's faithfulness, see his provision, experience his leadership. They will see and they will be glad. But notice the the contrast here. But all the ones who are unjust everyone who is unjust what is he going to do close her mouth meaning this where there is injustice and this is the hebrew word avla it's a feminine that's why it says her mouth everywhere there's injustice everywhere there's that which is displeasing to god god is going to bring about a closure He is going to close that down. He is going to eventually cause that no longer to exist. And finally, our last verse. Look at verse 43. Who is wise keeps these things. Now, I think this is a great verse of Scripture, one that you should meditate upon. What does that mean? Read it over and over and over. Pray about it. It is a wonderful Scripture. Notice what he says. Who is wise? What does that mean? Who's going to believe these things? Who's going to implement them into their life? Are you really going to trust God? Are you going to demonstrate your faith in him to others? He who is wise, literally says, who is wise keeps these things. The wisdom in this 107th Psalm and other places throughout the Bible as well, obviously, but primarily within this context, what is taught in Psalm 107, they are going to keep these things. And notice something else. And they will, and this is a word, lehit bonen. What is that? It means to watch closely, to pay intense attention to something. And what are they going to be watching and seeing and paying attention to? 
chasdei Hashem, meaning the grace, and this word for grace is in the plural, the abundant grace of God. They're going to what? Pay attention to how that grace works in their life. So again, let me conclude the way that I began. How should we pray? We should say to God, God, do whatever it's going to take to cause me to demonstrate to others that I believe you're sovereign. I believe that everything is possible with you, that you are the Lord of my life because I believe and trust that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I know that your word is accurate, it is true, and I want people to see that I apply your word to my life. When we do that, then God is going to use us. How? He is going to show his faithfulness to us as a testimony to others. So it's a double blessing. God blesses you and through that blessing that you receive from him, you are going to be even a more powerful testimony to others. Well, I'll close with that until next week. May God bless you. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.